It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. Where would you be other than right here? Right here for the opening moments of the Lawn and Garden Show. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful. Whatever you're doing on this dark Saturday morning, if you are thinking about your plants, or if you now are thinking about your plants because you just turned the radio on, if you have a question about why those plants are doing or aren't doing what they're supposed to, then give me a call. I have answers for your questions at 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. If you're on Twitter, of course, you can always submit questions on Twitter. Just put the hashtag AskWalter on Twitter, and we'll read through it. Ashley will read through it, I guess, and we'll find the questions that we have this morning and answer a couple of those so that you'll be able to communicate not only through the phone but through Twitter as well. As many of you know, one of the things that I really, really, really enjoy is learning new things, and particularly I, learning, I like learning things that add to knowledge, add to knowledge. And one of the pages on my website that gets the most traffic, gets a lot of traffic, is the one called Diagnosing Holes in Your Yard, <laughs> because there are all sorts of holes in your yard that appear, and sometimes there are creatures living in them, and sometimes there are roots that rot underground, and the ground subsides, and there's all sorts of reasons for there to be a hole in your landscape. And so I have a page devoted to how to know which hole is which, how big it is, whether there's dirt outside it or not dirt outside it, where it's located, and things like that. And I got an email letter with a picture, several pictures as a matter of fact, from someone earlier this past week. And they were half-inch holes, clean. I mean, there's no dirt piled up outside at all, but numerous, like five, six, seven of them underneath, she said, in a shady area in the back of her yard. What could cause all these half-inch holes coming you know, out of the ground? Hmm, I looked at that, and I thought, well, it's too numerous, really, to be a root underneath, because usually if you have a root that rots, the holes are in a line. You can see where the root has rotted, and the soil has subsided here, and then here, and then here, and then here. And they're pretty much in a line, but the pictures that she showed were certainly not in a line. They were random, just scattered over a mm, six, seven-foot, square-foot area. So I said, well, do something for me. Put some dirt down in those holes, and let's see if anything is in there. If anything is re-digging inside that hole, let's find it out. And so it was, I was just so grateful to this person who put dirt down in the holes. Nothing happened, but she said, I think we found the culprit. And she sent me a picture, and it was the skin, that leather shell of a cicada. And if you've not seen that, this is so distinctive, so part of summer, to see the sort of crinkly brown skin of a cicada that she had found either on the ground or up on a tree nearby or something like that. And I just slapped my forehead and said, oh, that's what those, what those holes are caused by. Cicada emerges from the ground, and I had not thought of that. And so I need to add one more section to diagnosing holes in your yard, which says, in midsummer, if you see little half-inch holes, clean half-inch holes, no dirt, 
that's been uh, exposed around them. And if you look on the trees nearby, you see these cicada shells. That's what's that's what's caused those holes. Ha ha ha! So grateful, so grateful that they would know, have the, sent those pictures to me and let me diagnose one more different kind of hole in the yard. Cicadas emerging in midsummer. Sure enough, there it is. Ah, Learn something new there. And the second one, another example of learning something new was a woman who keeps horses, and she said, you know, I don't think I've ever seen this, but it looked like little mounds of clay soil that had been piled on top of some places where the horse had gone to the bathroom. She said, what is this? There's dirt piled on top of the, of the horse poop here, and I kick it with my boot, and there's nothing underneath, there's nothing going on. I can't figure out whether it's fire ants. If there were ants, I would see ants. If there were insects in there, I would see insects somehow, but I'm just not seeing any kind of examples of anything going on on this pile of horse manure covered subsequently with piles of, of dirt, little small piles, little fist-sized piles of dirt. And so I had a suspicion of what it was, and sure enough, looked up online some pictures. It turned out to be dung beetles. There are two or three kinds of dung beetles. One kind takes dung and rolls it up into a little ball and buries it. That's not the dung beetle we have here. There's another kind that takes the dirt and tries to cover over horse manure or other kinds of manure where they then consume it and uh, break it down. And there are certainly dung beetles in in Georgia, in pastures, wherever there are cows and sheep and horses and goats and things like that, dung beetles do exist. And most people don't notice it, but this horse owner did, sent me pictures, pictures there of the dung beetle and the dirt coming over the dung, and, and that was an interesting thing to see that as well. I learn a lot every week, and then I bring it to you to make sure that you, my dear listeners, learn a little bit as well. Let's go to the phones. Jean is in Bremen, Georgia. Has a question about her holly tree. Hey, Jean, good morning. Good morning. Hi. What's up? Uh, we've got an uh, old holly tree, and the limbs just bug way out, and they're just falling on the ground and all. And we want to know if we can make like an umbrella tree. Oh, yeah. We've done, when would be the time to cut them limbs huh. off? Tell, tell me bottom. more what you mean by an umbrella tree, Gene. Well, we've done two weakened yoke ones like that. Just cut all the bottom limbs off uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then go up and trim the top up and around the edges and smooth it. Now, and it looks like a umbrella. <laughs> right. and, hey, they're pretty. I guess they are. Bremen, Georgia's proud of your umbrella trees there. But we want to know if we could do this old holly. What is it? Some different kind of holly? Is it a Burford holly or some other holly, not Yopon holly? I don't know. It's just an old, and the limbs is grubbed way out long and fell on the ground, you know. Well, I mean, the, the answer is because you say holly, yeah, it's going to be able to be pruned pretty easily because... Hollies, as a genus of plants, they don't care if you prune them this way, that way, the other way. Hollies are going to respond. You can't kill them by pruning. In fact, I've been trying to kill a Chinese holly in my backyard for about eight years now by pruning it down to the ground, and it's still living back there. Sorry, but thing. But we can cut the top limbs that we save, you know, trim yeah. a foot or two of them back to get it the shape started. That holly is not even going to know your name. That holly is going to say, what? Are you trying to do something to us, Gene? Come on. We're tougher than that. 
Nah, don't worry about pruning that holly bush. Prune it in any direction you like. Well, would it be okay to start working on it now? I'm going to give you permission this morning once the sun comes up to go out there with your pruners and get to work. Okay, thank you so much. Nah, and to it. You tell Bremen I said hello for me. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Gene. 404-872-0750 gets you in on Gene's slot there. Meads in Marietta, Georgia. And joins us. Hey, Mead. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Um, I've got a, a blueberry bush, and I've actually gotten some blueberries this year. But Great. Uh, after a while, the um, uh, the leaves started to, to disappear from the ground up, mm-hmm. and I looked and looked and looked for some critter. I didn't think, uh, I didn't see anything. The stems are still there, but that's that's about it. We got deer in the area, but I've got them. Uh, uh, the deer can't get to it. I got it fenced off. So. Yeah, you you heard me just now say that I, I diagnosed the holes in the ground because of something happening during this specific time of the season. This specific time of the summer is when the cicadas come out of the ground and make those holes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is the specific time of the season that blueberry caterpillars appear. Just uh-huh. after the harvest is when blueberry caterpillars, and you may or may not see them. They're not humongous when they're little, but... Um, you may later on, as the population builds, you may see them pretty readily. Mm-hmm. But my bet would be blueberry caterpillars. What can I do? The organic way to kill any caterpillar is to use the, uh, what is it called, caterpillar killer, caterpillar spray. BT is another, Dipel, that's the third one I get at uh, hardware stores some. But there are several organic, and they're all the same ingredient. There's this bacillus mm-hmm. that kills caterpillars. Does that, I heard somebody say something about that. Yeah, basically go to, go to a garden center and say, I want some BT for caterpillars. BT for caterpillars. Yeah, okay. there's going to be one or another product on the shelf. They say, yes, sir, right here. Okay, well, get any blueberries. more uh, blueberries yet this year, do you think? Or will they? Mm, if you pick most of them off your shrub, you're not going to have many more, no. Mm, okay, I appreciate it. All right, me, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bye. Coming up in the next half hour, Jeff will talk to us about blossom end rot on... Not tomatoes, watermelons. Beth and Roswell was a hydrangea. It's just not blooming to suit her, and we'll figure out whether or not she needs to do anything about her hydrangea. You can join us, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Well, it's all right. Riding around in the breeze. Well, it's all right. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Present temperature 74 degrees going up to 92 this afternoon. 40% chance of showers today. Tomorrow the high 91. Overnight lows around 72 we think. And then also the chance of showers goes down to 30% on tomorrow. A real cool down middle of the week, 89 degrees on Wednesday. Your full weekend forecast goes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jeff is in Griffin, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jeff. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Hey, man, I'm great. How can I help? I've got a, I've got a small garden outside out in the backyard and uh, cut some cucumbers and some cantaloupes and some watermelon. Awesome. Well, the cucumbers and the cantaloupes are doing great, but the watermelons have these rotten spots. They're, oh, they're young watermelons. They're yeah. probably six, eight inches. Uh, 
long, and they get rotten spots on the end, not on the stem end, yeah. but on the opposite end. Huh. Don't know what it is. The likelihood is blossom end rot just like a tomato gets. And if you had told me that they get about two or three inches long and turn it on a gray fuzzy and fall off, that's a different symptom, different situation completely. But if you say they're developing, they get to six or eight inches long and then turn black on the blossom end, that is blossom end rot. And the okay. cause for blossom end rot, for a long time, me included, people would say, oh, you need more calcium. Spray your watermelon vines with calcium. Get some lime in the soil. Do blah, 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 blah. And it's true that blossom end rot is caused by a lack of calcium when the, tom when the uh, well, tomato or the watermelon is very young. But it really has to do with how calcium is transported in the vine, in the plant, in the stem. And so calcium it turns out it's not very soluble in plant sap. And so if you have a, a time when the plant sap is dried up, when the plant dries a little bit, then the calcium just never gets transported out to the ends of the branch, out to the ends of the vine where the tomato or the watermelon is growing. That little bitty watermelon needs some calcium to seal off the blossom when it falls out. And so you end up with a rotten spot out there, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you don't have a watermelon to eat. So the key, I think, to both tomatoes and watermelons, too, is be really good about watering consistently so it never gets dry during the day and real soggy wet the next day. But it doesn't matter if it's moist and then gets soggy. What really matters is if it's dry and then gets soggy and then gets dry. That's when calcium gets interrupted. Oh, that's exactly what's happened, yeah. I can see that. Thank you so much for your uh, help. Yeah, man. And, you know, if you have a good, healthy vine, you have plenty of time for more watermelons to develop on the vine. Just this one is not going to be one you crack open for the holidays. Okay. Thank you very much, and have a good week. Uh, it's great talking to you, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Thank you. It is 627 at News Talk WSB. More questions coming in. One about crepe myrtles not blooming. Another about Asian ambrosia beetles. Our nemesis this year, Asian ambrosia beetle. Our number, 404-872-0750. On Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635 on a Saturday morning, 674 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to answer your questions about gardening, about trees, about shrubs, about flowers, about your lawn, diseases, organic gardening, whatever you have on your mind, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750, or on Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. Beth is with us from Roswell, Georgia. Hey, Beth, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, Beth, what's up? I have a hydrangea. We followed the directions when we planted it, partial sun or partial shade, something like that. It blooms a little bit. Right now it has no blooms. It blooms a little bit, but nothing like all the hydrangeas I see around the area. Hmm. How long have you had it in the ground? I'd say at least two years now. All right, so it should be getting established. It should be sort of ready, so go ahead. 
Um, I've I've gotten some fertilizer and fertilized it, and we cut it down. Um, you know, right before it starts to come back, uh, and it comes back very green and lush, but just doesn't bloom. Now tell and me, help what, me, tell me what you mean by you cut it down just before it comes back. What does that mean? Um, you know, in the the winter, right before spring, you uh-huh. know, we cut it down. Uh, uh-huh. We read online, you know, that that can make it stronger. So we uh-huh. cut it down to I don't know, maybe three or four inches, uh-huh. and then it it just grows back beautiful. Mm-hmm. But and and we didn't do that the first year, but we thought maybe this would help it to bloom. Got it. Didn't. So this is one of those. This is the kind of hydrangea that has the pink or the blue blooms, or you know, the pom pom common yes. kind of hydrangea. Yes. We have one thing and one thing to do alone that's going to do a miracle for this hydrangea. A miracle, Beth. Don't prune it in the winter. Don't prune it at all. Not in the winter at all, period. Not a, don't touch it. Don't even look at it crossways. No. Okay. I'll tell you why. You want to know I'll try why? It. I know you want to know why, Beth. I'm going to tell you why. Because, <laughs> because the blue and pink hydrangeas, the common, we call it just common hydrangea, they make their buds in the fall and they keep them on the plant during the winter and they use those buds to bloom in the spring and summer of the next year. If Beth comes out there with her pruner in the wintertime and prunes it all down, what do you think happens? All those blooms are gone, 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 and that's why next year she calls the man on the radio and says, Hey, my hydrangeas are blooming like everybody else is out here. <laughs> There's the problem right there. Don't all right, I won't even look at it sideways. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. If you Next year you're going to have lots of blooms. I mean, they can just just about guarantee you'll have lots of blooms in May and June of next year. So the question then becomes, well, okay, Walter, smarty pants, when do I prune my hydrangea? I don't want it to be too big. You do it right after it finishes blooming. So right now, fabulous time to prune all these blue hydrangeas, pink hydrangeas, the ones that are purple sort of that have begun to fade. I mean, you looked at them and say, oh, man, they're past their prime now. And so if they're too big, this is the time to prune all of the common hydrangeas because that will give them plenty of time to make new buds for next year, and then we won't do anything to them during the wintertime. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Turned your life around, Beth. Turned your life around. It will. And because, <laughs> because I'm your friend, one more thing. If you look around right now, there are lots and lots of hydrangeas that have white, conical blooms on them. Just look around. Big, big, big bloom flowers. Boy, they're gorgeous. And that's not the same as the common hydrangea. The ones that are blooming right now with the white flowers are called panicle hydrangeas. And they bloom in late summer, you know, July, August, I guess. And they can take a lot of sunshine. So if you have another spot in your landscape that has a lot of sun and you're thinking, man, I like these hydrangea flowers. They're pretty impressive. Then go to a garden center and say, I want a panicle hydrangea. This one called Limelight, which is just awesome. Uh, this pinky winky pink lemonade. Little Lime is a smaller one of, of Limelight. They are all sorts of big blooming hydrangeas, and they can be pruned anytime you feel like it. So you can choose one or the other if you want one of those to add to your landscape. It'll be fun, it'll be really pretty. Okay. Well, right. thank you so much. All right. Nothing to it, Beth. Don't put it in the wintertime. And we have just imparted knowledge to all sorts of people out there to know now when not to prune their hydrangea. You won't get flowers if you prune them hard in the wintertime. Doug is in Kennesaw. Joins us on Lawn and Garden. Doug, good morning. Good morning, uh, Walter. Yeah, I'm asking about the uh, cray muddle. Yeah, man. If it's too late to get some special fertilizer, of course, I haven't used any fertilizer this 
this year. Well, last year, these were older ones, about 10 to 12 feet in the air. They, yeah. they were, you know, they were uh, pruned down during the time they should be back sure. in uh, whatever it was, November so, or December. So the problem is they're just not blooming, or what's your problem? They're not blooming. they got a lot of, you know, green foliage, but yeah. uh, maybe I've got trees that have grown up and not given them enough sun during the day. How much sun do they need? They would like full sun. <laughs> they would like to have all the sunshine you can pour onto them there, Doug. Uh, it's possible, but even in moderate sun, you know, something you get some direct sun and some a little bit of dappled shade during the day, they still bloom pretty well. Full sun gets more blooms, a little dappled shade, maybe a little less blooms, and dense shade, like underneath um, underneath a sweet gum tree or underneath a pine trees where they just don't get a lot of direct sun during the day, then that really would affect how many flowers you get on the crepe myrtle. But there's not a not a fertilizer that you can put on. There's nothing you can add right now that would say, bloom, make the, make the crepe myrtle bloom right now. It just doesn't work that way. You have to have a real healthy plant back in the spring, and that if you needed to fertilize, that would be the time to, to fertilize them back in. Yeah, the rocks that you drive in the ground around them. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sure they're a good fertilizer, but they're not going to make it bloom. And you can put those rods in the ground in the spring if you want to, but again, that's in March, April to make it bloom in June, July, but nothing you can do now to make them bloom now. Yeah, well, I just enjoy the green foliage. Remember was, what they looked like back when they did bloom several years ago. <laughs> I was going to suggest the Lord has made you some nice green leaves out there. You go out and enjoy that, and maybe next year you'll have flowers. Okay, well, I appreciate it very much. All right, Doug. Good talking to you. Thank you. Have a great day. You Thanks. bet. You bet. Bob comes to us from Tucker, Georgia, over out east of the city. Hey, Bob. Morning. Hey, Walter. How are you? Hey, man. I'm fine. What's going on? Well, I was cutting the grass last night, and I planted a sycamore tree for the dogs because of the big leaves with shade. Right. Uh, it's been in the ground about 29 years, and I noticed sawdust all around the bottom. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I was looking at it, and then I looked at the, the trunk up to about six feet. All from the ground up, there must be a thousand little holes all around the trunk yeah. with little bitty curly cues like the I guess it's this the wood. Yeah, that, sure. Yeah. Wow. And I said, hmm. And then I you know, I did notice the tree didn't do as well this year and I thought mm-hmm. maybe it was because of that late yeah. freeze that we had and, you know, stunted the leaves. And uh it, it just doesn't look real healthy right now. I mean, you know, some of the branches don't even have leaves on them. Now, I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to you, Bob, because <clears throat> Sycamore adds one more tree that I had not thought of before that would get the Asian ambrosia beetle, because you have described exactly what the Asian ambrosia beetle symptoms are, the holes in the bark and curly cues of wood coming out, like a toothpick coming out of the bark of the tree. Yep. And a thousand of them, that is <laughs> serious, serious business. Um, it's going to die. It's not going to be happy. (laughs) It's going to be very likely the dogs can warm themselves by the firewood, by the fire that you put that firewood onto, but shade, (laughs) not so much, I don't think. 
Um, so, yeah, the ambrosia beetle, when they when the mama beetle bores into the tree, she lays her eggs in there, and she also deposits fungus for the eggs of all things. That's what the baby beetles eat is fungus. And uh, yeah. that fungus is also deadly to the tree that she bores into. And when you have hundreds and hundreds of these little toothpicks and the little layers and places where she's laid the eggs and put the fungus in, that is not good for the tree. That's going to probably kill the tree. At the top of it right now, it's sort of wilted and leaves falling out and doesn't look healthy yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That yeah. just says, boy, it's on the way out. It's not going not to recover. There's nothing I can do. You can wait if you want to. The tree's not going to fall down tomorrow if you want to wait yeah. and see what happens. If you want to wait and you know, find a good day for a tree guy who makes a special price because it's Christmas or something like that, then oh, you can I, wait. I got a good chainsaw. All right. <laughs> but, uh, I just no, didn't know if it was going to survive this or not. I thought about I have a bottle of uh, an old bottle back from the 80s yeah. of stuff that they don't even sell anymore, Lindane yeah, sure. borer spray. It and I, I know I've listened to you. I listen to you all the time. Yeah. Um, and once they get into there, I mean, I thought you said if you sprayed it, it's still not going to penetrate. That's correct. And kill them. That is correct. Lindane right. will penetrate about a quarter of an inch, but Lindane does not go as deep as those galleries are. Right. They're in at least an inch, probably more than that, inside the tree. Yeah. And the poison just simply doesn't go far enough in right. to do anything. Mm. But the, one of the things that I want to point out, Bob, is that I – on, let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday, I guess, this past week, remembered that I have on my website a plans for a trap that you can actually monitor the emergence of the beetles in the spring. And so oh. you use ethyl alcohol and a little pill bottle and a two-liter bottle to make a trap around it. And if you want to go, and just for the fun of it, to see if you have any uh, Asian ambrosia beetles still around right now, you can make this yeah. trap cheap and easy, empty bottles, no big deal. And... Um, and just see. And I laid mine out on Wednesday, and I checked it yesterday and did not have any beetles floating in the soapy water in the bottom of my trap yesterday. But I'll leave it out for a week or two and just to see if the beetles are still flying around. Usually it's March, early March when they come out. That's when they right. started the boring. Mm. Mm. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't learn. believe it when I saw that. I said, oh, no, this is not good. <laughs> that is not good at all. But uh, uh, join the crowd, uh, people with crepe myrtles, figs, uh, Japanese maples. I'm thinking of all the different things. Dogwoods. Um, there's been a lot of people in the same situation as you this year. The ambrosia beetle loves ethyl alcohol, and ethyl alcohol is what's exuded by stressed trees. And stressed trees are numerous because of the the fall uh, drought that we had last year. So all these stressed trees went into the winter, and they came out in the spring. They're still stressed a little bit. They put the ethyl alcohol gas out, and the Asian ambrosia beetle females just come in, zoom right to them, and lots and lots of people with uh, big infestations this year, and most of them are not going to survive. You can wait and see if you want, but most of them are not going to survive. It's 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Every time I look and a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Right now, temperature is 74 degrees. Today's going up to 92 with a 40% chance of rain. Overnight low around 70, 71, 72. Tomorrow, the temperature goes a little cooler, 91 maybe tomorrow afternoon. 30% chance of rain then. Cools off in the middle of the week to 
high 80s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95 and WSB. Don't forget that for in-depth news coverage, remember to pick up your Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution for in-depth news coverage, plus clip and save hundreds in coupons. It's 6.54, and that gives Kathy, no, 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 Kathy, it's Don's turn. Don comes to us. Hey, Don, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Walter. Hey, Don. Uh, I've got a question for this morning. I've got a lot of volunteer uh, Bradford pears around my big garden area. Yeah. And I've got several varieties of pear trees. I'd like to just go ahead and graft onto that vigorous uh, Bradford pear rootstock that's very old. Uh, what are the chances of me getting some success out of that? My memory about grafting is they're, they're very compatible with each other, and you could do that, and all you'll have to do is make sure the understock, the Bradford pear understock, is never allowed to sprout because it'll quickly overtake the top of the tree because it's such a vigorous right. plant. But as right. long as you can keep that in mind and keep the bottom under control, then grafting a regular other kind of pear, Orient or Moonglow or one of the other edible pears, would do fine. And what is uh, the best time to try the grafting overall here in this region of Georgia? Generally in the spring, in early spring, when the buds are just beginning to swell up and the bark gets a little bit loose is the best way to describe it. The bark gets loose on the uh, understock, and when you can have uh, the buds off the regular pears, you can put it in there and sort of slip the bud into a little crack. And then as the pear continues to grow in the springtime, it bloop, 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 comes right out and grafts right on and you got a new kind of pear. Excellent. Very good. I will tell you, years ago, I had a lot of beetle uh, activity that were killing uh, one of my rare pine, pine trees. Yeah. So I was determined to keep it, and I just flooded it with water day after day after day. And it turned out to be a gorgeous pine tree. I lost yeah. the center of it, but it branched out beautifully, and it did, it did dwarf it a little bit. But uh, flooding it with water, I did beat those damn beetles back. Yeah, though. because that helps the tree to fight off itself. Because if a stressed tree yep. is attacked by beetles, it tries to flood them out to try to put the sap to them, to drown them. And by giving them water, you help the, <clears throat> help the tree to make its own defenses. Very good, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. One more thing, Don. Uh, yep. If you go to my website and type the word in the search line, pear grafting or grafting pear, you may come to a site that a guy who used super glue to graft pears, and I've always wanted somebody to do that and replicate his uh, success because he took one, two, three, four, five, six pictures of his grafting process using super glue to graft one twig onto another, and it worked great. So if you want another way of grafting or want a way to try, then go to my website and learn about how to use super glue to graft. There's nobody uses more super glue than I do. In that <laughs> case, I want you to get onto it then, Don. Let me know in a year or two. Yes, sir, I will do that. Thank you, sir. You bet. All Thanks right. for calling. Bye. It's 6.58 at News Talk WSB. More of Lawn and Garden coming up right here, right after news.